0: Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. it live together, out with hope, one another, each step along. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, Norm. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad you've joined us. Happy
1: weekend! Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's always good to be here. Today, we're going to talk about something, well, it's kind of hard to do.
0: Well, that could be a whole lot of things when you say it that way. Good, good. <laughs> do I need another cup of coffee for it this conversation? It cannot hurt. It
1: cannot hurt. No, actually, probably most of us need a little push, a little help to do difficult things. Mm-hmm. Specifically, we're talking about how do you motivate yourself to be a better partner, a better friend, a better family member?
0: Or maybe even just a better person. Or, the, or that. <laughs> Throw that in there. Well, yeah, I would agree with you. Most of us have that goal, don't we? but we struggle to do what's needed to make that a reality. I mean, Norm, change is really hard work.
1: Yes, it is. And we have a personal example. I'm ashamed to admit but we both have a goal of exercising more so we can be around to help each other as we grow old, or at least that's what we tell ourselves. <laughs>
0: <That's>, that <laughs> is the
1: motivation. Come on. But we have to admit we're not doing so well with that one.
0: I know. So we need to tell the audience when we fail. Now, do, we? <laughs> yes, we do. do we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do because we're human. <laughs> um, but let me say, okay, I'm going to say this, I think the obstacles for me exercising are greater than yours. All right, ladies, you'll understand when I say this. When I exercise, I get all hot and sweaty, and then I have to redo my hair and my makeup, and all of that takes a long time. Now, I don't really have a lot of time during the day, so that extra process is one of the blocks for me but when you exercise norm you just jump in the shower used to do this all the time at your last job during the lunch hour and you're ready in minutes i just don't think it's fair oh
1: sounds like an excuse (laughs) to me okay yes no i get it it is far easier for me especially wait a minute because i don't have to redo all my hair i don't have beautiful long yes but that is part of the challenge. <laughs> Finding ways to motivate us toward our goals.
0: Well, you know, I went for my annual doctor visit and the physician kindly lectured me Uh-oh. uh-huh on doing more exercise and avoiding fried or fatty foods. Now, maybe lecture is a little bit of a strong word in that she was simply, you know, trying to give me good advice. To her credit, though, she was trying to get me to make a change. The only problem was She wasn't telling me anything I didn't already know.
1: Well, you especially.
0: I know. I've written so many books on this topic. And I teach GI nutrition, yeah. And as a result of this advice that she was giving Mm -hmm. me, and she was trying to motivate me, it didn't change one thing. No. (laughs) So, for one thing, Norm, I don't eat fried and fatty foods. Would you attest to that? No,
1: I will. Okay. I, I agree.
0: But I know exercise is a problem. I do sit in front of a computer most of the day doing my job. I have real good intentions to exercise every day, but somehow I just lacked the motivation to make it a priority.
1: Guessing you resisted her advice. I, did.
0: I didn't really resist it, but I did what a lot of patients do. I listened politely, <laughs> knowing I wasn't going to do what she said. <laughs> did you know that? Honestly, did you know that 80% of patients ignore their doctor's advice? Yeah, I've done that. I know. I had that in a lecture. I think the students were really surprised. A better way, though, to motivate me would have been to ask me, what's getting in the way of doing what you know you want to do, exercise?
1: That does seem like a better question because it gets at the obstacles to change or the barriers, things that get in our way of doing what we know we need to do.
0: Yeah. So, I, I remember, these are all about my doctors. I don't know what this means. I'm going to tell you another story about a doctor. But I remember when my OBGYN and I had this conversation about exercise. This is what she did. She asked me that very question. She said, what stops me from working exercise into my daily routine? And I told her, having the time during the day, my schedule's so busy. Now, mind you, Norm, I'm talking to a very busy (laughs) OBGYN, right? Gets up at the crack of dawn and, you know, a lot of times goes to the hospital late at night. So I thought, well, if she could fit it in. So she invited me, are you ready for this, to join her at 5 a.m. at the gym with her trainer so I could fit it into my schedule. I mean, that's what she does to work it into her crazy schedule.
1: That's a commitment, and I'm sure you didn't do it.
0: (laughs) Well, if I did, I have to get up (laughs) at 4.30 in the morning. I know myself well enough. That would be a failed strategy from the very beginning. I mean, there's just no way I'm getting up at 4.30 to exercise.
1: I'm not that committed. My brain and my body would just... Rebound. I know, and it's you dark, know? and of it's course. dark, yeah. Well, at least she tried to problem-solve with you, she right? Did. She <laughs> so did. It sounds like when we need to make a change, we must include strategies we know are going to work mm-hmm. and that we can actually follow through with.
0: Yes, be honest about what you know you're willing to do. I, so I did tell my very well-meaning OBGYN that I just couldn't commit to this, but I was impressed with her commitment to exercise given her busy schedule but I told her, you know, 4.30 in the morning is not for me.
1: Yeah, well, the good news is you're not alone in trying to find ways to motivate yourself and make change. It's too easy not to change for most of us.
0: But I agree. And we get so busy and distracted, and yet we all have good intentions, but then nothing really changes. So, look, if you're trying to motivate yourself to make a change, we're here to give some tips today. And we're going to focus our change efforts on relationships. Although anything you do to better yourself will help you with all your relationships because a healthy you is a good goal. Yeah.
1: I remember that book you uh, wrote a few years ago, I Married You, Not Your Family, and Nine Other Myths That'll Ruin Your Relationship. As I recall, one of those myths was, I can't change, this is who I am, take me or leave me.
0: Yeah. So the notion that you can't change is a myth. The hallmark of the Christian life is that change is possible, right? point, yeah. But it's true. Nothing will change
1: if you are unwilling to change. So why is it we think we can't change? Why, Why are we so resistant to it?
0: Well, there are a number of what I would call change stoppers, including the ones we've already talked about, like time and management. But one big change stopper is denial. I mean, you can't motivate yourself to change if you don't admit there's a problem or something that needs to be changed in your life. The first step to change is always to admit to the problem. Hmm.
1: But how do you motivate someone who doesn't see that their behavior is causing relationship problems or issues or needs to change? Isn't that the frustration in most relationships? One person sees a need for change, the other doesn't see it at all?
0: Yeah, you begin talking about the pros and cons of not changing. For example, you could ask the person, what will happen if you continue to fill in the blank? Let's Hmm. just use the example of lose your temper, if you continue to lose your temper. On the pro list... You might say, well, I let out my frustrations. I don't hold in my angry feelings. Isn't that good? It's just easy to do. It's easy to let your anger fly. But And and this is really important because people don't make changes, Norm, because they get some type of benefit Hmm. from doing what they're doing. Otherwise, they would want to change it. But those benefits, when they outweigh the negatives, they'll continue to do that
1: behavior. Yeah. But the con in this situation, temper problem, is that it can cause relationship problems and issues and create tension, I would imagine, in the relationship. Right. It feels
0: unsafe when someone lets their temper fly. It's also unpleasant to experience, and it usually creates emotional distance, not intimacy. Now, to change that behavior, those cons, the downside of it, needs to outweigh the benefits or the pros. Also, you need to find internal motivators to really make a change that will stick. When you try to change for other people, to keep the peace, to please someone else, it just doesn't usually last. So if you need to make a change... Find reasons why the change matters to you. Hmm. Things like, I want to be a good role model for my kids. I want to be healthy and not create fear in my home. I want to honor God in all that I do. Those kinds of things. That makes total sense. What are some other
1: change stoppers?
0: Well, one big one is selfishness Hmm. and self-centeredness. When change doesn't fit your agenda and it doesn't work for you, you are not considering the other person in a relationship. So while we said be motivated personally to change, you also live with other people, and you need to think about the impact of your behavior on them. There are many unhealthy things we do that create relationship conflict
1: and problems. So in other words, I guess when it's all about you and what you want, rather than what do you need to do to make your relationship work better— or your relationship suffers, then the focus is on you rather than on us.
0: Yeah, that us is important. And behind that self-centeredness is pride. When change is needed, you have to admit you might be at fault or contributing to the problem. When you don't admit to your part of the issue, that's pride and that's stubbornness.
1: And it sounds like a change of heart is required.
0: It is, and I, I would really pray for that. I would ask God to soften your heart. Be open to change. The Holy Spirit can help you in this process. God has a way of revealing what is really in our heart when we do pray. It's often when He speaks to me and tells me that, "Uh uh-oh, something is wrong here. You sort of feel that in your spirit. If you know the Word of God, and you should, and how you are to respond to others in love, then that's going to motivate you. Your faith should motivate changes in your life. The Holy Spirit is a helper and can help you make a change.
1: Do you think another change stopper might be being too comfortable in a relationship, you know, like taking the other person for granted?
0: Yeah, I think it's harder to change when you're feeling really comfortable and you don't think you need to do anything. But boy, complacency can ruin relationships. It can lead to boredom, to frustration and anger in the other person. So don't be complacent. Make the change if you need
1: to. What is at the core of resisting change in this relationship, do you think? I mean, so many people say things like, well, I need to do better, and I know my behavior is causing problems, but then nothing changes.
0: I think two things are at work here, um, and this is why good intentions don't go anywhere. First of all, there's a lack of motivation. In other words, change is just not that important. And if you don't have the confidence to make a change, that can be a problem too. So, even when you see a need for change and your intentions are good, you might not be motivated to make a change because, first of all, it's not important, and secondly, you don't have the confidence.
1: But how do you figure that out?
0: Well, I usually ask people to rate how important a change behavior is on a 1 to 10 scale. 1 is not at all, 10 is extremely important. And then I would ask them, what's it going to take to make that number higher? Hmm. I also ask them to use the same scale and rate how confident they are to make that change. And again, what would it take to make that number higher? So by doing that and doing these little, this little exercise with the scales, you see that change might be important, but maybe you're not confident, which means then you need to work on sort of planning and problem solving and figuring out better strategies. On the other hand, if change isn't that important, but you're confident, then you're going to need to work on motivating some type of commitment towards change. Hmm.
1: Even when we think someone is important and are confident that we can make the change, we still procrastinate. I do it every year with the taxes. It's important. I know I can do them, but I wait till the last minute.
0: Yeah, so procrastination has less to do with willpower and more to do with changing your circumstances. So make your behavior and environment work for you rather than against you. So what reward or incentive can you give yourself that would be truly reinforcing to get those taxes done on time?
1: Well, I'm going to think about that, but maybe setting up a reward could help me get taxes done earlier. I just can't imagine what that would be. <laughs> well, here's the good news you have looked into an awful lot of material about helping us motivate to change. We're going to learn more about that right after this quick break.
0: Is every spare minute of your life filled with some activity, event, or demand? If so, you could be suffering from a very common American disease. It's called overcommitment, and it has seeped into every area of our lives. I'm Dr. Linda, the Relationship Doctor, and yes, I'll admit it. I've fallen prey to overcommitment in my life, just like I imagine you have. Saying no occasionally is the best offense against overcommitment. But if it's too late and you're already overcommitted, here's a little tip to help you make it through. In the busiest days, you can still stop and take five, just for yourself. When your heart is racing and your thoughts are whirling inside your head, your effectiveness just plummets. But if you'll pause right in the middle of all the hubbub, maybe close your eyes, breathe deeply, and remind yourself that the current task will be completed, you'll feel an immediate sense of relief. Then you can head back into the job at hand with renewed focus and energy. And when the next chance comes to overcommit, it comes your way, you can work on your priorities by just saying... Hey, no.
1: Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Just a quick reminder you can follow Dr. Linda on social media, on her Twitter and Instagram accounts, at DrLindaMental, at Dr. Linda and on Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental author and speaker. You can also listen to our podcast on myfaithradio.com or on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to myfaithradio.com. Linda, just before the break, we started to talk about ways to be successful to finally reach our goals using something you found called the science of motivation. How does that work?
0: Well, speaking of podcasts, yes, I did listen to one that I really liked. And I, I should have listened to it, Norm, when I was on the elliptical. <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> you go. I could have gotten that exercise there in, <laughs> right? Well, listen, this podcast was with uh, well-known author Daniel Pink, Who's the author of Drive, and a lady a researcher actually named Eilat Fishbach, who has a book out called Get It Done. Hmm. You like that title? It inspired our show today. There you go. Get it done. We just have to get it done anyway. Dr. Fishbach enlightens us based on her research as a social psychologist in terms of what helps us better achieve our goals. She makes this point, and it's a good one. When you set a goal, make it a goal not a means to a goal hmm. in other words focus on the goal itself not the means to that goal what are you trying to achieve focus on that not how you're going to get there the reason for this is that we don't invest in means we don't get excited about how we're going to achieve something We get excited about the goal itself, so invest in the goal.
1: You need to help me. Can you give me an example of this?
0: Okay, yeah. So let's say you try a new restaurant. That's a goal. You want to try a new restaurant. You're excited about the restaurant because you heard the food is really good, and you actually end up spending $50 on a very expensive lunch. But you were motivated by the goal to eat at that restaurant. However, you spent an hour looking for cheap parking. Why? (laughs) Because the parking is a means to the goal of eating at the restaurant. And we prefer to put our time and our effort into the goal, actually eating at that restaurant, not the means to the goal, which is finding parking. Interesting.
1: Here's a study that uh, we learned from Dr. Fishbach. She did this with MBA, Masters of Business Administration students. They auctioned an autographed book by a prominent economist. The average bid for the book was $23. Next, they auctioned a tote bag, which contained the same autographed book to a similarly enthusiastic group of students. Their deal was superior given that the highest bidder would win both a bag and a book. To the researcher's surprise, the average bidder was willing to pay only $12 for the tote and the book, significantly less than the 23 the bidders were willing to pay for the book alone. In economic terms, the value of the tote bag was negative, meaning that throwing in the tote bag decreased the value of the deal. The reason for this is it didn't feel right to pay that much for a bag whose only function was to carry a free book. Wow. Wow.
0: That is interesting. So that's more evidence that the goal, not the means to it, is important. Also, in terms of setting goals, you need to define them in terms of benefits, not costs. For example, now listen to the difference of this. It's better to aim for finding a job, that's a benefit, than applying for a job, because that's a cost of time. Achieving a goal is exciting,
1: but completing a goal is a chore. Right. That that makes total sense to me. Dr. Fishbach also says we should have what she calls approach goals rather than avoidance goals. What's the difference?
0: I, I really like this part. Um, she says that approach goals are much better than avoidance goals. So, for example, telling me to avoid fried food is not as good as telling me to increase healthy eating. Hear the difference?
1: Mm, it's a positive approach. Yeah,
0: it's a positive. Yeah. Approach goals are more enticing than those avoidance goals. The reason has to do with the brain. When we try to avoid something and tell ourselves we can't do it, we tend to focus on it more and we do it more. So to say, let's take a walk, which is an approach goal, is better than stop sitting at your computer. That's an avoidance goal. Is that making sense? Think about your goals. Are they avoidance or are they approach? That's really
1: helpful. Okay, so once we have an approach goal, then how do we stay motivated to accomplish it?
0: Well, if you want to stay on course and you really want to increase your motivation, you really do have to monitor your progress. When you focus on your progress, you're building your confidence to keep going. For example, you could say, I did two more days of exercise this week. I'm on a roll and I can do two more. When you pay attention to your progress, it helps you look at what you have done versus thinking about what you haven't done.
1: Yeah, but what about that temptation to just give up? or stop working on change behavior, because we all lose motivation over time. I suppose that monitoring progress might help. It really does.
0: But also when you make a change, you know, you may give in once or twice, and you may sort of, what we might call, relapse Mm -hmm, on -hmm. your change. If that happens, it's really important just to get back on your plan and start afresh. Don't go negative. Most change efforts are not straight lines. In other words, most people don't change and do it right every single time. So you need patience when you're making changes. Just stay committed to that process.
1: Okay. Well, this one sounds counterintuitive to me, but Dr. Fishbach says we should have fewer incentives to reach our goals. Wouldn't more incentives be better? That just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, so apparently more is not better because the brain gets too confused with too many incentives. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? We lose focus on the reasons we're pursuing a goal. And the same with having multiple goals at one time. It's just too much, and it's better to simplify in terms of reaching a goal Less is better.
1: Okay, so instead of reading five books, I should only read one at a time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Most of us do need incentives along the way. Let's keep it simple. But how often should we reward ourselves when we're trying to make a change?
0: So, when you give yourself a reward every time you do the new behavior, Maybe that's progress, but it's not as effective as when you give yourself an intermittent
1: reward. What's that?
0: It means you don't give it every time. You might give it every other time mm. or unpredictable times or maybe every 30 minutes or not every 30 minutes, even maybe once in a while. Because what happens is we get more excited when the reward is unpredictable. That's why so many people buy so many lottery tickets, because they think, well, just one more, one more, I might win, I might win. If they knew they were going to get it on the 10th time, they
1: would just stop. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. That's what we do in parenting, right? When we're trying to change a kid's behavior, we don't give a reward every time he or she does something that we're trying to train them, but we do give it intermittently so they don't know for sure when it's coming. I get this. As a result, they keep working to get the reward.
0: And you know, adults are like that too, right? Let's say your boss told you there would be a big bonus coming for high quality work, but she didn't tell you when that would be, when you would get it. You would keep working hard, not knowing when the bonus would come. Hmm. It's motivating.
1: I get that. And here's one that really surprised me. Dr. Fishbach said, make your goal exciting.
0: Yes, excitement is more predictable for accomplishing a goal than the importance of the goal itself. Hmm. Now, I didn't really realize this one. So, you've got to try to make it exciting. I think this is the problem with our exercise. (laughs)
1: That's it. It's just not exciting. exciting.
0: (laughs) But we've got to change our environment. Maybe we can create some exciting. So, when a goal is fun, it's interesting, there is so much more likely to accomplish that goal. That's what we call intrinsically rewarding, meaning it feels like an end in itself. And when something is intrinsically rewarding, it's the best predictor that you're going to engage with it and you're going to stick with it. Hmm.
1: So if you can figure out a way to make change fun, you have a better chance of sticking with it. i got to think about that. Maybe you watch TV while exercising uh, or you do something fun and you play pickleball. Then it doesn't feel so much like exercise, but something you're enjoying doing. We've talked about this before about Exercise. And we think something like pickleball would be kind of fun for us. I know.
0: We're going to try this strategy because then we don't have to think of it like exercise, just something fun to do. So along that line, it also helps to do things with others when you're trying to make a change. You know, Norm, this is one of the reasons like groups like Alcoholics Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery work so well when you have the support of other people to encourage you towards that change, it's really powerful. I mean, think of all the times you didn't want to do something you needed to do, and a friend comes along and says, come on, let's do it, let's get it done. And we also like to pursue goals that we share with other people, Mm -hmm. and goals that require those joint efforts are sort of like glue. They keep us working together and keep us motivated.
1: I get it. It takes a village.
0: That's right. (laughs) It takes a village to get me exercising, I think. Come on, village, come Uh, and encourage me.
1: Well, as we close out our time together today, are there any other tips to help us get it done and meet our goals to change?
0: Well, spiritually, we need to do some self-reflection. Are we living our lives the best way possible to honor God? You know, in the faith life, we should always want to change for the better, to live a more self-controlled, disciplined life, Controlling our desires, our tongue, and be loving and kind in the ways that we treat other people. Additionally, Norm, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. so we should try to take care of them as well.
1: That's absolutely true. So, alright, I'm, I'm ready. No more excuses. I'm gonna change.
0: Alright, we have the power. We have the power. We have powerful change agents all around us. We have therapists, we have godly men and women, books, seminars, workshops, teaching, and you have the most powerful change agent right inside of you, the Holy Spirit. Access what God has given you. Say no to the myth, I can't change, and say yes to transformation. Change is possible with desire, obedience, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Normental, who makes this show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember... We're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing life together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.